You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and uh, hey, it's the middle of February right now. Today is actually Valentine's Day, and uh, yeah, besides loving my wife well, I've got a few things on the mind that would be shed hunting and turkey season coming up. So uh, along those lines, we've got an episode today coming to you with TJ Eads of uh, Half Rack and Shed Season and Big 8 Products and Rack Hub. TJ's got his hands in a little bit of everything, but he's also uh, just a dude that loves, loves, loves sheds. So I thought who better to get on the podcast to talk about sheds and shed hunting than TJ. So uh, yeah, wonderful episode coming up. He's going to share with us uh, not only some of the products that uh, his companies are bringing to the market, but also uh, lots of tips on shed hunting. So that's coming up right around the corner here. But before we jump into that, if you haven't already, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Follow along with us on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please do leave us a review. It really, really helps a ton. We're going to keep this intro short though, and jump right into the episode with TJ Eats. All right, joining me today for the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is TJ Eads. TJ, how's it going, man? It's going great, Josh. Well, hey, I've got some exciting news for you. You are officially the first person to grace the airwaves of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast twice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Honored, dude. Is that dude, I get a plaque or something or just an attaboy? Either I, one's great. You know what? It, it's probably more like a, a – a hit to your career that that you'll get for coming over here multiple times. But, uh, you know, I can't say you get any credit, but I'll send you a sticker in the mail. I appreciate you, man. No, I'm honored. <laughs> Seriously, thank you. No, man, glad to have you back on. You know, we met this past summer, had a great time at the community conservation event. Um, you know, got to talk with you a bit there, and I thought, man, this guy is just – He's one of those guys you want to get to know, one of those guys you want to be around, one of those guys who's doing good stuff in the hunting industry. And so when it came time to talk shed hunting, you were the guy that I wanted to have on. Well, I appreciate it, man. I love me some antlers. Yeah, there you go. So is your is your hunting season over right now? Are you, are you done in the woods? I am done in the woods. January 2nd, I believe, was the last day for us here, you know, unless you're urban zone or something. But, yeah, bows hung up. I got to see the shooter last day and also scooped up shed uh, from him, but we can get in that later. So yeah, we good season. My wife got a good one and um, you know, I'm ready to get after it this fall. Yeah. How'd the season go for you? Yeah, it was, uh, 
a very memorable season. Let's just say that we, you know, went in on a hunch October one opening day, uh, buck that we've been following for a few years. He is four this year, and we like to just where we're at in our career, like chasing at four here. It's a challenge. It's it's very challenging, um, and so we knew this buck. We called him the same ten. My wife and I, you know, hanging hunt and saw him a half mile off opening day. And that began the chase. And I hunted that deer 28 times and saw him 14 times out of 28. So just absolutely wow. abnormal, um, just unique. We didn't have permission, got permission um, to chunk, you know, partway through the season. And uh, it was a chess match and went all archery and he beat me. So I'm, I respect that. I'm ready to chase him as a five-year-old. And uh, my wife in, in gun season ended up getting a, a nice, you know, buck behind the house and she's a she's a killer man it's uh it's fun we get to do it together and pretty dang fortunate that's cool man so so this buck he made it through the season he made her through wow yep sweet man that'll be cool have you have you picked up the sheds from him yet or are you putting together a plan on where you're gonna find him no he so i kept the cameras running and uh saw that he had dropped one side and was getting pretty antsy because I was at ATA. I noticed that. And then coming back, we saw he dropped the other side. I just, you could tell in his face and body, I've been looking at dude for, you know, all season. So I knew which one he was and he came in antlerless. So, you know, me and my girls went in um, and found one side together. We walked around for an hour and he dropped it in the woods. It was just, you know, perfect. It was glistening in the sun and, I acted like a little schoolgirl when I saw it, but didn't touch it. <laughs> Waited to get my daughters and let them scoop it up and filmed it all, and it was awesome, man. That's cool. Is that the one you put on Instagram? Sure is. Oh, yep. That's cool, he's, man. Uh, he's a stud, four-year-old here in Indiana. He's, you know, I haven't put a tape to him, but he's probably just under 60s. Um, so, you know, I respectable buck. I'd love to, you know, get my hands on him someday, but, man, it's, it's fun to chase him with archery equipment. He gave me the run around this year, which, you know, I enjoy. Well, make it all the more sweeter when you put your tag on him next year, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's cool, man. Glad to hear you're kind of getting to build up some, some story and a little bit of history there. Um, you know, before we get too far in, I'm, I'm curious, can you, can you just give the listeners who maybe didn't catch the previous, uh, previous episode that you were on, who, who is TJ Eads and, and what, what do you do? I, I, you're a pretty interesting guy. You got your hand in a lot of stuff. Well, I um, appreciate that. No, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of great people. Um, everything that I have my hands in is, is due to the people um, that surround myself with or, you know, fortunate to. They're, um, so I guess looking back to how I got my foot in the door, Went to college as an industrial designer, um, which is essentially product designer. It's the, designing the look of a product and then working with engineers to help make it, tuck the guts in it to make it work, and then marketing to help sell it. So I went and worked um, in the corporate environment in the plumbing industry because there really was an opportunity um, in the hunting industry that made sense uh, for me at that time. Plus, I wanted to learn and hone in my skills, and I was not ready out of college. Um, so I went and worked at a plumbing company before I got that gig right at the end of the year, I had a mentor take me to ATA, met some great people. And I got to work with Andy Simo when he owned NAP, uh, new archery products. Oh, and I got a freelance for him and, and his company and, um, you know, got my pinky toe in the door 
um, just loved it. But again, there wasn't really an opportunity, wasn't ready. I designed a tree stand as my thesis while I was in school. I was that weird guy in the you know class that was a hunter, and there, I was in there with a lot of liberal arts students. So definitely <laughs> fell out of place, but owned it. You know, that's how we are as country boys and hunters and stuff. We we don't really change for anybody. We are who we are. And um, I, after working in the corporate industry, freelancing on the side here and there. Uh, worked with my cousin, uh, Jason, and we started Rack Hub in 2018 um, with the, you know, premium antler display product. And after starting that, man, it was just, it just kind of lit the fire for, for me. Like, this is this is me 100% and this is what I want to do. And we started Big 8 Products soon after. Um, met so many great people along the way from, sales, sourcing, agency stuff, e-commerce. And I met more people in the last three or four years than I've met in my entire life. Great, hardworking Christian parents, just people. And I've been so fortunate to do so. I and mean, then that's opened a ton of doors. I made the, the leap from my corporate job back in 2019 and started uh, Eve's Design, which is a design consulting company where I'm able to work with companies such as Novix, and trophy line and dialed archery and list goes on and on uh, to design products alongside them out for them alongside them. Cause they've got so much expertise and insight where we work together to deliver, deliver top notch, good looking products to, to their end consumers. So um, ease design, you know, helps pay the bills while we got all these crazy startups. And then uh, last year we started half rack, um, with a couple fine gentlemen as well. And we got a lot of things brewing over there. So uh, I think that covers most of it quickly, but um, I can answer any other questions if you got them. Yeah. I want to, I want to follow up on, uh, follow up on rack hub. That's kind of not where you got your start, but that's where you made the jump, right? Like that's where, um, you know, a lot of things really started coming together. It sounds like, so tell me about rack hub. What, what inspired that? Oh no, I, it was, um, you know, we were scooping up all these shed antlers and that community is growing. A lot of people, even non hunters go out searching for these, these things. And, you know, there's not really a, a good way to display them that we had found. There's things you can do to prop them up, DIY things, check Pinterest or house or whatever, uh, latest trends are. And there wasn't a way where you could display them where it looked like it was on the antlers or on the, the deer's head, you know, with that proper pedicle space facing and uh we we wanted to display them where there weren't any eyeballs or whatever where hunters and non-hunters both could appreciate it um so we put a lot of thought into the utility of that idea and worked through all the patent stuff and starting the business and it was a grind but it was really driven from a necessity to, to get them up on the wall to where you could still take them off the display hold them while watching tv show your buddies where you can, you know, check out that mass or in that G2's, you know, 12 inches. And no, nah, I don't believe you. And you can pull it off. Oh man, I didn't, you know, couldn't tell when it was up on the wall, but you know, it's just, we love these antlers so much. There wasn't a good way to display them that we had found. Um, so we're like, well, we might as well make a go at it and see if other people are, are feeling the same way. And man, we've been, we've been fortunate that people are supporting us and, you know, hanging antlers up on the wall. So it's, it was born from, from that need, I guess, and our love and passion for the 
these antlers and taking care of them. Yeah. So along those lines, will you walk me through some of the some of the the different I guess products that that Rack Hub's putting out there? Yeah. So we basically, you know, Rack Hub our our taglines keep the memory alive. You know, we're essentially framing memories like like the picture does, where you can or a, a shoulder mount. You can look at that and it, it, you're reminded of the story, you know, look at a match set or single antler and you're reminded of that time when you're on the hike or a hunt or whatever, somebody gifted you with this, this antler. So we offer, you know, match set antler displays, refer to those as like our RH2, RH2XL or white tails, muleys, you know, elk, caribou, moose, match set antlers. And then we have single antler displays uh, like our RH1. And then we have, our antler bar, uh, we're getting ready to launch a, a new product as well. It'll come out later, but antler bar that somebody that wants to get into rack hub, but doesn't want to pay for the RH one, you can use these antler bars. They're super versatile too, to, you know, make a, a unique like Christmas tree type of thing or stuff that in a shoulder mount to display antlers. It's just super versatile. Uh, we also have inserts you can buy as extras. You find more antlers and want to use the existing product you have. We're launch, we finally got some apparel out there. Um, and then we, over this course, have developed this shed season community that we're officially launching here in February. You know, we've kind of dabbled in it, and we finally found the right gentleman. Our uh, buddy, Dwayne Jones, is going to be running that for Rack Hub as that powered by Rack Hub. But, man, if you just love antlers and don't care about Rack Hub or any way to display antlers, it's okay. We understand that it's hard when you're tying a community to a, a products company. So we got shed season that you just love antlers. It's, it's the place for you. So we're running that as our, um, you know, kind of community and hub for antler lovers. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what we can expect coming out of shed season. I've been following along on Instagram and sort of checking you guys out and seeing, you know, okay, what's coming down the road. So, so what can we expect out of, uh, out of shed season? Yeah, so Dwayne's heading that up. You know, Jimmy um, and uh, Brad are essential in this development as well from brand and, and the creative and making sure all this looks nice. And um, we've, we've been, like at ATA, did a ton of networking. Um, we got awesome brands on board where we're running 10 weeks of giveaways. And we're not talking like stickers and a couple grunt calls or something. We're running 10 weeks of giveaways of shed hunting, antler-related products. We, we decided as a firm decision that we're only running with, with companies and products that relate to it. So you're not going to be able to buy a bow on shed season or see anything affiliated, affiliated there where you can win it. It's shed, shed antlers, antler related uh, products and goods. So, you know, companies such as Vortex and First Light and Fog and Exodus and on and on and on all our brands as well there's going to be 10 weeks of giveaways that all you got to do is, um, you know, just jump on the website and subscribe. It's just a simple landing page. And that is just in fairness. So we could ship it out to the winner and announce it easily, but we keep keeping it clean and easy, uh, to win some amazing products and also share the love. You know, a lot of people have amazing stories of finding these very meaningful stories that we kind of discovered through rack hub that, we're finally getting an avenue to be, you know, where we can tell them um, because they, they need to be heard. You know, we you get a lot of still pics and stuff, but man, that story, the camaraderie, taking kids out, 
hunting with your buddy, your wife. It's, we're trying to be that, that community and let it grow organically. Um, so we're doing it the right way. You know, we don't have any like big elaborate plans. We're just letting it grow as, as needed, but we're going to be launching shed stories every Monday. Dwayne's been posting those where we're, you're getting a little tease of stories. We'll have email blasts going out. You can submit stories. We got some awesome ones through Racka before this was developed, which kind of helped spark this. So, man, a lot of goodness, a lot of, a lot of antler related awesome story stuff and awesome product and company stuff. Um, just keeping it clean and easy as well. So it's easy to consume if, if you want to. Very cool, man. It, it's nice to see something like shed season coming along devoted to, uh, you know, to a pastime that for a lot of folks just fills in the time, but for a lot of other people, man, it's, it's their thing. I've got a good buddy here in Wisconsin that, you know, him and his family, that that's what they do. They love, I mean, they, they hunt and stuff as well, but they love, love to shed hunt. And, you know, as my kids get older, uh, that becomes more and more important to me, you know, to have that time of year when, you know, archery season, it just, it becomes so serious, right? Uh, yep. hard to involve a seven or a five-year-old, uh, you know, my kids are seven, five and three. And so to get them plugged in, uh, the first week of November <laughs> on an archery hunt with me, probably not going to happen just yet. Uh, but boy, when those ant- antlers start falling off and it's time to go tromp through the woods, then, uh, you know, they can be right there and be part of it. And, um, you know, fully enjoy it. So it's awesome to see shed season come along. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, um, uh, big eight products. Um, absolutely. So we started big eight products a year after rack hub and it was really to address a different demographic. You know, rack hub is premium, uh, direct consumer only real we're, you know, we sell it at shields, but that's really it with big eight products. We started that company to allow us to ship, um, through distribution and get it in the dealer's hands as well, where they can, um, everybody can afford to sell it at those, through those avenues and it's top notch products. We just launched two products last year. We launched them both late, you know, with the past few years, the, everything's been crazy, but yep. we launched our Turkey beard hanger again, just what do we do with all these beards that are collecting dust? I don't have any time to do the shotgun shell, drill out the primer, hang it, hot glue the beard in method that you used to pre kids or when you had boredom time, which <laughs> some people do, but, um, you know, man, life's fast paced. And so we launched the beard hanger. You just, you know, you plug the beard into it. It's just friction fit and it looks nice and you got color options and it's affordable. Um, so that was an exciting one for us to launch that, um, we've been had brewing for a bit and then we launched the hang up, which is a, a DIY Euro mount that's super uh, affordable, but tough. I mean, it's, I hung from it. I I mean, I weigh a couple hundred pounds, so it it held me. It's tough, but we have, you know, it's 25 bucks and it gives you six degrees, 60 degrees of up down movement, tip the skull from that downward position looking at you and then 20 degrees either way, uh, right and left. So, I mean, it gives you tons of adjustment and comes fully assembled and, uh, you just, you know, toggle a couple thumb screws to make all the adjustments. So it's, that was an exciting one along with the beard hanger to launch. Um, but big eight is just a DIY taxidermy brand, man. Give you, give you simple solutions because we don't have a ton of time at, you know, at an affordable price. So that's big eight as a whole. Yeah, man. I, I've really liked those, uh, the Turkey beard hangers that I've seen online. Cause, 
Um, yeah, man, I'm, I've been trying to knock down a bunch of turkeys here lately, and, and I've got that exact same question. You know, what do I do with all these beards laying around? My wife was telling me earlier, she's like, hey, I'm sick of turkey parts just laying around my house. So if you could get them somewhere, that'd be great. <laughs> which which need, which means you need to get them somewhere or they, they may be gone or in a drawer somewhere. That's right. They may, they may off. walk off. And, uh, I, they, I was at a buddy's house and, uh, he was, he used to turkey hunt in college and he said, yeah, you know, when me and my wife got married, I had all my turkey stuff. And then, you know, somewhere in a move, I just, I haven't been able to find my, my beards and spurs anymore. And she just kind of looked around and was like, hmm, weird. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> Random. Wonder yeah. where they could have ended up. So yeah, no clue. <laughs> Oh man. Well, Hey, all right. So it's time to get into, into the nitty gritty, right? I, I love hearing about you and what you do and, and these companies that you're involved with. I mean, man, the list that you're naming just top notch companies. So, um, yeah, you couldn't be, uh, couldn't be keeping company with better people. Um, but I want to jump into the nitty gritty of finding some shed antlers, right? Like that's what shed season's all about. That's what, uh, rack hub is all about. And I want to find some, but, but TJ, I'm terrible at it. I'm real bad. I'm real, hey, real bad uh, at finding sheds. You don't have to be good to find them necessarily. You know, there, there's definitely luck involved, but there's always strategy as well, you know, just like hunting. So I I can share some things that I've learned, um, but, man, it's all dependent on what state you're in and when those critters drop them and the weather you're dealing with. But there's definitely some, some tips and tricks to, to follow as well. Well, man, I, I didn't do a lot of looking last year. Didn't put on as many miles as I should have, but I did find one, but it took me almost stepping on it in the middle of a fresh burn for me to find it. Yep. And so it stood yep. out as, you know, like a white beacon in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of this fresh burn. So that, that's kind of what it takes for me to find one. But how much time are you putting in uh, looking for sheds every year? Well, less time than I used to. Um, just with life and kiddos and stuff, my girls are pretty young now, so it's more carrying them around and hunt when we can, but I'm still, we're putting miles on, um, Indiana, it's a little tougher. We don't have a heavy deer density, uh, at least in the area I'm hunting, you know, it's all dependent on what County you're in and, uh, the cover you got. And so in hunting pressure, you know, list goes on and on and on, but, um, we're putting miles on for sure, whether it's just, you know, riding around in, in the ranger or getting out and walking. But um, I don't know how many miles we're putting on, but we're putting miles on. So when do you when do you start looking, right? Like I, I we've talked before, and you know I'm from the deep south, uh, just moved up here to the upper Midwest about two years ago. And, uh, you know, things are very different when you've got a landscape covered in snow this time of year. <laughs> and uh, can create some, some, a lot of questions there. When, when's the right time to start looking? When do you start? I normally don't start until February here in, here in Indiana. But like I told you, I, my number one had uh, dropped and I had confirmed that. So I went in very strategic and just haunted where I thought. And we scooped up one side. Now, since then, we've got snow. You know, it pains me knowing his other side's laying out there all alone. But I'll get out there and find that sucker. Last thing I do. So out there um, all normally, alone, all alone. You know, out in the weather, getting rained on, snowed on, shoot up, saddens me. Sick and don't. I didn't want to mention it, but uh, you did. Uh, I might not sleep tonight or any night until I find it. But yeah, that's normally uh, February. Josh is when I'm getting out, stomping around. But again, I had confirmed the data that 
he had dropped them both and I wanted to get in there and, and scoop them up. So <clears throat> just depends, but February is normal for me. Yeah. So is, is that going to differ for you? Let's say if you're on a, a private piece, either that you own or one that you're leasing or, or if you're trying to shed hunt on, on public land, I know a lot of guys are, you know, going to be out there tromping on the local public spots. Um, are you going to try to get out there earlier if you're on public or what are you going to do there? Man, that's tough to, to decide because you get them out, you get out there too early and you're running them off on the neighbors. I mean, granted yep. it's public, so you want to be the first to find, but, it, it really depends on, you know, you knowing your public and what's going on. There might, you know, there might not be people in there that even know to try and shed hunt. So if that's the case, I'd definitely wait, especially if you got a crop field adjacent to it where you see deer herding up and they're feeding in it and then going to bed. Cause they're, I mean, deer like us, they, they need to sleep and eat and rest. They're not doing anything crazy. They're focusing on food this time of year and regaining strength and kind of laying low. So, it's weather dependent and food. And if you can lay low until you can kind of confirm that they've dropped them, I would not go in there and we're blowing them out is, is my two cents. Cause then you're scattering sheds everywhere. Um, and you're, they're going to be tough to find. They'll be on the neighbors. Yes. Let those deer do the work of concentrating them for you. Yes. Yes. So are you if looking? You can. Yeah. So, okay. So, I've got a public spot down the, down the road. One of the reasons I'm asking, I've got two different places where I'm really going to be concentrating my shed hunting this year. One is on a public piece. It's about a thousand acres and it gets hikers and dog walkers and everything else uh, walking around out there. And uh, I know there are some guys that have their dogs specifically trained to find sheds. So I know they run this place, but then there's also a, a private piece down the road from me. Um, you know, I, I passed his farm the other night and the guy had somewhere close to 60 deer out in his fields. Um, and right in the middle of it is this large ish block of timber with two yep. south, with two South facing slopes and the deer this time of year, just pile in there. I mean, there's hardly a deer in there during early season, but during late season, yep. the deer just pile in there. So, uh, so if I'm planning it out correctly, I should say, all right, as soon as I see the antlers start dropping or pretty close to it, I need to be out on this public piece looking around. But I can probably wait on this other spot till February, mid-February, and uh, then try to get out there. Yeah, if there's any way, you know, a high-pressure evening or an evening you know and the deer are going to be out, that you can go out there with some optics and see what kind of headgear is still hanging. It'll help you weigh your decision on going in there or not. You know, normally – if you got, you know, a herd of deer that are in there, those are going to come out, small bucks are going to come out, and it's a good moving evening, you're going to see your shooters step out too. Um, so you can, you know, they might step out without headgear, and that's when you know, you know, the year-and-a-half-old, two-year-old may be still packing, but if those bigger boys that you got on camera that you knew were in there, they're coming out without some headgear, I, I wouldn't hesitate to go in there depending on, how bad your critters are on chewing them up. You know, if you got squirrels in the timber, you know, they're just going to pound them. I'd get in there when you can, you know, we've, what I found and, um, my buddies that, you know, deadheads when the spurs on and meat and stuff, they don't like to touch those as much, but man, those, those sheds, they're like magnets to these mice and squirrels and other critters. So I, even yotes, we've seen carry them off and hide them. So there is that, you know, variable where you wait too long and 
you might get G2s almost chewed through and threes and beams and brows chewed off. And it's just sickening when you, yeah, you find it, but if you would have gotten in there weeks or a month prior, what you know, what if? Yeah. How, how long do you think it takes for, uh, you know, an antler in a, in a pretty densely populated squirrel area to get chewed up? Like how, how long are we talking? I, I've always wondered that. Like how long do I, do I think I really have before I get in there and, you know, maybe I find it, but it's not really something I'm looking for. Dude, I've seen them hammered in weeks to a month. Oh, no kidding. So it, I mean, especially when you're talking, especially weather dependent, man, when they're, when they're craving some food or something, and I don't, again, I'm no uh, scientist. I don't know what these animals crave during different times of year, minerals they need, et cetera. But man, I've seen them hammer some shed in weeks time, days time, weeks time to where you can walk up there and almost just break the, the tines off because they've chewed through, you know, three quarters of it. And it's just hanging by an eighth inch of, you know, antler on the crust on the outside. So it's, it, that's why this shed season is much like actual hunting because you don't know, you know, when to go in, when not, how to access, how do I not, is it too early, is it not? You got all these variables just like hunting um, that, you know, ultimately you got to make the decision and you're going to know best because it's the property that you've been watching and looking after and you know what's all going on around it. That's why these kind of rule of thumbs are nice to know, but there's always that but, so. Yep. Yeah, man, you got me fired up. I want to go look for some shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, as do I. When it's time to go in then, all right, so let's. So I was out the other night, and I, I like I said, I saw this, uh, this private piece, and there were probably 60 deer out in this guy's fields, and uh, I saw one really nice buck that had shed one side, and I, caught, I saw a couple of smaller ones that had shed one side, and I saw one buck that had shed totally. Um. So it's, it's getting about that time, right? I say, give it a couple more weeks maybe. And it's, and it's time to go in. Uh, I would, would you go ahead now? I no, I would, I think you're right. I mean, why not wait and let them drop their match if it's private and it's okay. You know, you, you know, nobody's going to go in there type of thing. I'd wait and let them try and drop their match because what's going to happen is if you go in there now and blow them out, they might not come back for a couple days. Um, and they might drop their sheds elsewhere, especially when you're pressuring them a little bit, jumping fences and stuff. It tends to rattle some antlers off sometimes. So just lay low and let them drop the match and go scoop, scoop up and match that. Okay. So when I do get out there, are there specific weather conditions that I'm looking for that will make it easier to spot these things? overcast you get sun blaring down man it's tough to pick them out because it'll shine especially you got moisture laying on logs and stuff and corn stalks and it just glistens and they everything looks like an antler and it's just it's not a waste of time but definitely easier if you get an overcast day or uh, something like that but man you, you know how life is sometimes you only get time to go out this certain day or this evening or this weekend so you got to go when you get a chance but if i could choose i'm picking overcast grabbing overcast day all right are, are you hitting uh some of the same spots multiple times you know i've had times when i thought well maybe i just maybe i maybe i've missed it because i you know i either don't have trail cameras in this specific area or whatnot uh do you go in and search the same area multiple times thinking that maybe they just hadn't dropped yet or are you pretty dependent on those trail cameras i'm not 
I've learned over the years to, to not be so dependent on cameras, um, both in hunting and shed hunting, still use them in my arsenal, but, um, no, I'll, I'll hunt, hunt places twice. Um, okay. especially if there's multiple shooters in the area, cause he might've still been packing one shed out, but the other guy might've been packing still. And he's going to drop them in the same spot. So I, you know, I can, I definitely have hit, hit a couple spots, um, multiple times. Okay. Okay. When you do go out, so there, there seems to be two different schools of thought that I have, that I have seen. Um, one is the super strategic that says I'm hitting food sources, I'm hitting bedding areas and I'm hitting directly the trails in between. And that's about all I'm doing. <clears throat> and I've also seen other guys that are like, no, I'm going to pull up my Onyx and I'm going to run a grid and I'm going to walk back and forth and grid search this whole place. And I'm going to lay eyes on every square inch of ground. What kind of uh, strategy are you taking? Uh, the first one first. Okay. I'm going in strategic, especially if I got a, you know, a shooter that I was after. I go in strategic where I think he's bedding and feeding and, and between. And, you know, because I get just windows of opportunity to hunt. So I'm, I'm going in strategic first. And then if I get another chance to go out, then I'll grid it. If I didn't scoop him up that first go. And it also depends on how much ground you have opportunity to cover. I would, um, always go in strategy first on the ground that I got to find the more obvious, easy ones and drive the edges with a UTV if you can. And then if you get another opportunity, opportunity, go grid it and find those, you know, year and a half old, two year olds that you weren't necessarily targeting, but every antler counts go and grid it and find them all. Cause I mean, you, you just really never know. I've found antlers in so many unique places. You really, you just don't know. There is strategy to it, but you still don't know. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So are you using anything to, to help you along with that? Like, are you using a, uh, a dog on occasion or do you have buddies that have had success with that? I've had buddies that have had success with that. I haven't been alongside, you know, any dogs or trained dogs to do that. It's always been just going out with, you know, my family, my girls or a group of buddies, um, to search. Okay. Okay. So, all right. I want to jump into a few uh, specific locations, right? Like if, if you could tell me maybe your top couple of spots where you say these are the areas that you have to go and look, what are those top areas going to be as far as, uh, you know, ranking them as far as like, here's where I think you're going to find the most on down to the least. You, you have to, have to base your shed hunting off of this late season food. Like that okay. property you told me about with your 60, um, the herd of 60, you got out there, does and bucks, you're going to find some antlers. Like it's guaranteed you're going to find them. You have to go look in the food and the trails they took to and from and where you think they're bedding because you're going to find antlers. Okay. That's where you have to go. Gotcha. Food first and foremost. That's my, I mean, you generally have late season. I, I, I can't speak for all states. I've only shed hunting Midwest, but these deer herd up almost always, and it's based around food. Okay. Now, are you busting brush this time of year? Like, are you, are you jumping in on into bedding areas as well? Yes, I am. I did for that 
that buck I was after I did, I'm not going to go back out until probably February. Um, but yes, I did because I knew he dropped both sides and I just had to get my hands on him as soon as I could. <laughs> Don't want him getting chewed up, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So one of the things that, that I've talked or heard guys talk about quite a bit is developing the eye. Like there's almost this idea that uh, when the average person walks into the woods, their eye isn't really trained to find sheds. And, uh, you know, I can be pretty bad about it. So I'll walk in and man, every rub catches my eye, every scrape catches my eye, every deer track catches my eye, but I'm not real good at locating sheds. Have you heard people talk about that? And is there anything that somebody can do to kind of help hone in and develop that? I don't know that eye. you know, you got those buddies who they can't walk into the woods without finding a shed. Right. And, and I want to be that guy, but I don't know how to get there. Yeah. there are always those guys. Um, my cousin's one of them. I got a few buddies that are the same. They just always pick them out. You can be driving, you know, 70 down a highway and, Oh, there's one in alfalfa. You know, it's just, <laughs> you, the more you do it, the more you do anything, the better you get at it. If you really want to be good at it, um, you know, sometimes you got to pitch an antler out and just look at it from all angles. You know, whether you're like sitting up high in a vehicle type of thing or UTV or you're out walking around. Times up, times down. You know, just it's a acquired thing, I guess. You just got to practice it. And you know, some folks are fortunate where they're they're on properties where they can find quite a few antlers. And then there's some pieces of property you're hiking through public, you may hunt your tail off and only find one or none. And obviously, it's hard to get better at it when you're not able to find it just due to the facts. You know, it's highly pressured. There's not a lot of deer, uh, you know, your odds are stacked against you. You still can find them, but like anything, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Yep. For sure. For sure. And you know, it's with this being something that, you know, kind of the hunting industry becomes obsessed with this time of year. I'm curious when it comes to you and your style of hunting and what you've seen, um, how much stock are you putting into these sheds? You know, a lot of guys, uh, say, Hey, you know, it's great to find sheds, but when it comes, you know, the following fall, I really don't think anything about them. And then other guys are like, no, you get in there, you find those sheds, you can bank on hunting him here at specific times of the year. Are you putting a lot of, uh, value on those as far as, uh, hunting Intel for next season? Yes. A lot of value. It actually, my wife in 20, let me see. It would have been 17 or 18, really doesn't matter. Scooped up a shed of a deer we didn't know. Talked to a neighbor, one of my best friends um, that we talk hunting all the time and keep in touch with. He knew that deer and we called him 31 because of ear notches. He's a pig farmer, so he had named him 31. Again, we didn't know that he wintered there. We found a shed. I ended up, we tried hunting that deer when he was a four-year-old. Never got pictures of him. Finally got pictures of him end of November, early December. And went in on a hanging hunt the day after Christmas and got him. And I based the hanging hunt around where we found the shed that year prior. So it was because of the not getting pictures of him where I thought I should be. And then moving cameras around and getting a couple snaps of him in a few places along with where where my, my wife scooped up his shed. 
is why I went in on a hanging hunt when it was, you know, um, crazy cold weather, especially for Indiana, high pressure morning. Normally you don't hunt mornings, but went in on all with all that data and was able to get it done um, because of that. So those where you scoop up their sheds can tell you a lot about that deer and their personality. And it, you know, it's all dependent on your style of hunting, where you hunt, state you hunt. But man, for me here in Indiana, where we hunt, that is critical data um, that you can apply hunting that, that dude in the fall. Okay. Do you, now, do you see that as, as, you know, at least for where you are as being most important for next late season or do you think you're going to be able to put a, a plan together and base uh, base your actions in October off of where you found some sheds? It can be applied in October. Again, it's dependent on the every every mature deer I've hunted um, is different. Some have small core areas, some have massive home ranges, um, but it's all critical and piecing the puzzle together because everyone's different, and you can definitely apply it in October because some deer summer close to where they are in October and it's close to winter and others. I mean, you just, you know, throw your hands in there cause you have no idea what he's doing and he's, you know, just on you in the rut and that's it. So it, I hate giving you these loose kind of what if answers, but it's just, it's the truth in this man. It's, it's all dependent on, um, you know, the property you got and the deer you're hunting, but it, it can be a huge piece of evidence and, and piecing it together to get it, get it done in the fall. Yeah, I, th- I think these broad answers are great, man, because I, I think it is, it, it's a piece of the puzzle, right? Like it's not, yep. you know, it's just like a trail camera picture. I know, I know guys who are, you know, they'll get a trail camera picture of a buck and they'll hunt that spot for the entire season without stopping to ask, like, why was that deer there on that particular day? You know, and so instead of just a piece of the puzzle, it becomes their everything. They totally move based off of that. Uh, based off of that one trail camera picture. And I think, I think antlers can be the same, you know, the same kind of way. Um, you know, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. It tells you where they were at a specific time of the year. And uh, you can take that and incorporate that into your strategy, but don't over, don't overdo it. Right. You couldn't be more right about all that. So, you know, one of the things that I love about the developing uh, shed season community is is these stories that I've been watching, right? And I love the idea of of keeping that memory alive when it comes to uh, just a really special moment, right? Because there's like it, I haven't found a ton of sheds in my life, but as I sit and I think about them, I think I can remember that moment that I first saw each of the sheds, and like my that heart skip a beat moment, almost like when you look up and see a buck walk in your direction. Right. Like those, those moments are just ingrained in my mind. So, uh, I love those stories. I love keeping those stories alive. So I'm curious, you know, as a guy that's, that's, uh, super involved with all this stuff, what is, you know, can you share the story of maybe your favorite shed find up to this point? Ooh, I don't know if I narrowed down to one. Um, <laughs> you know, it hunting, um, as a whole is very, I believe camaraderie family friend based. You know, if you go out there by yourself and you're not talking to anyone else about it, um, you're not sharing what you saw and learned. It can, it can, for me, it's not fulfilling. What makes it fulfilling is the family and friends and the camaraderie. Um, so the sheds that stick out to me are the ones that I found with a buddy 
or my daughters or my wife where we shared that moment together. You know, we ran up to it together to, you know, beat the next one to it, or they scooped it up and yelled through the woods. Those, those stick out to me. So I've got, you know, obviously this last one, we just found the same 10 uh, a week or two ago. Um, that meant a ton because all my girls are out there with me. Um, and then when my wife was carrying my daughter on her belly and found that 31 shed that I just, because it was such a surprise, we didn't even know that deer was there wintered there. I will never forget that day and her hollering and picking it up. I was only, you know, 20, 30 yards from her. And it was just like the heart skips a beat and it was, it's ingrained. I can still see her holding it up. My, you know, daughter Cameron on her belly, we're getting her out there, exposing her to all this at a young age. So those seem to stick out uh, more than any, I guess. Man, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, so we're coming up on that time of year, man. Thanks for giving me some of your time to come on and chat about uh, Rack Hub and shed season and and give us some tips on finding more sheds this year. Uh, any tips you want to leave folks with that, that's like, hey, if, you, if you'd give this specific thing a try, I think you'll find more sheds? I just got to get out there and look. Stop. You're going to learn something. Even if you don't scoop up a shed, you're going to learn something about, you know, these deer, what they're doing in the off season. So you can apply it the next year. So get out there. Don't be discouraged. You just got to get out there and stomp some dirt. Cause you never know. You might find a random shed that starts a whole new story. Uh, and I guess that's about the best advice I can give. Cause I, it's happened to me. Just got to get out there, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So, uh, TJ, appreciate your time. Where can go, folks go to find more, uh, coming from you? I mean, there seems like there's probably all sorts of directions, but where would you point folks? I mean, just for the time of year and the topic we're discussing, I just shed seasons great, you know, shed season.com or at shed season on social. Um, you're going to get, you know, in contact with us. Dwayne Jones uh, runs that for us. A rack hub, you could get a hold of us as well. But just time of year and, and whatnot, it's a great place to get a hold of me or the team. Um, you know, again, we got awesome gents behind the scenes hustling hard to, to deliver top-notch stuff and um, fortunate to work with them all. Good deal. Good deal. Well, thanks for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. You've got the honored spot now here on the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast as the very first repeat offender. I appreciate you coming back on. Honored, Josh. I, I appreciate taking the time, bud. <laughs>